Megan, spring is one of our family's busiest seasons with tons of time on the go. There are so many places to be and details to remember. And the last thing I need is the constant irritation of uncomfortable shoes. So today we're talking about the Vionic Vitals collection from our longtime sponsor, Vionic Shoes. These are the best essential shoe styles for everyday wear this season. So Katie on our team is getting ready for warmer weather in Chicagoland with a pair of Vionic's Bella Toe Post sandals. These are Vionic's best-selling flip-flop style, and they have a cute little bow on them. They come in nine great colors, but Katie chose a versatile black patent leather. They're super supportive for her high instep, and they even come in wide sizes, which is a great option. Yeah, the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection are classics that don't really go out of fashion. And because they're such great quality, they're going to last as well, even with daily wear, which mine definitely get. And I love that Vionic offers a 30-day guarantee. Wear them, love them, or return them for a full refund within 30 days. But I have a feeling after those 30 days, our listeners will love their Vionic shoes so much they'll be ready to order another pair. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at Vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 331 of the Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis here with Sarah Powers. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Megan. How are you? I'm good. Good. I'm thinking about food at the moment. How about yourself? <laughs> I am a little hungry, as often happens when we record about food, and it's like, shoot, darn it all. I'm going to have to wait an hour to oh, eat Oh, I know. Something. It's like if you don't stuff something in your face right before you start, it's going to be a bit of a wait. Well, we just recently did an episode where we talked about like kind of like an imaginary real life day, mm -hmm. which is like the ideal we would have if we could actually shape what we think of as like a perfect day. Um, but we specifically did not talk about food too much because I think we said like we could talk all day about food. And then several listeners were like, hey, I would like for you to talk all day about food. Is that about all right? <laughs> yeah, that is about right. And just yeah. in case you didn't hear that episode, the twist on ideal is that it's the ideal within your current ordinary life. So like we're not talking about like, uh, you know, I wake up like on a beachside hut in Hawaii and someone cooks my meals all day. Like we're talking about both in the general flow of the day and then today's episode when it comes to food, like with the resources available to you in the season of life that you are currently living, what does it look like when the stars align? And we got a lot of feedback about that. I think we called it like that perfect ordinary day or something. And yes. that people... People enjoyed thinking about their own perfect ordinary. And I think as long as we go in knowing like it doesn't happen very often, the stars right. don't always align, but it's it's energizing and fun to think through what those ideal things are. And so, yeah, today it's like the same idea, but really about feeding our families. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, we talk a lot. We'd like to keep it real on this show. And so we talk a lot, a lot, a lot. Like we have a, a week of real life dinner series that we do pretty often where we talk about how we don't hit that ideal because it's pretty rare that we mm -hmm. actually do hit that ideal. But like every mom has the idea, the ideal in their head of what we would want it to look like if we could magically make that happen. And I think that that really stems a lot from um, so many things like how we feel about family time and like our personalities, like it, it comes from somewhere. And then on the opposite side of that, we have like the opposite of ideal, which is like the thing we don't ever want to get to. So I think that there's just a lot to unpack here and it'll be a really fun episode. I agree. I think there is a lot to unpack. And, and while we never advocate for holding yourself to like a standard of perfection, and in fact, we, we rail against that pretty hard. I think that's not the same thing as almost clarifying your values or like the things that are important to you and then having that North Star. So I think you can have the ideal in mind without holding yourself to unrealistic expectations. It's not easy. That's a tricky thing. That's right. why we're going to talk about it. Yeah. Okay. So Sarah, before we talk about our ideal and then we can, you know, we're also going to touch on like when that kind of goes off the rails and what real what reality looks like as opposed to the ideal, um, ideal world. But I think that most of us, our ideal is like 
sometimes stems from like the opposite of what awful would be. And, and mine very rarely is awful. Like I would say right. when I go off the rails, it's, it's mild, it's a mild to moderate off the rails when it comes to food. But I do have in my head, like that image of what would be like, just terrible. Like if, if it really went down this road, um, I'd be very unhappy. And for me, that would be like everyone kind of slinking to the television with their own separately created food, not talking to each other, um, not checking in with me, like everyone just being very disjointed and separate and there not being any social or family culture around a meal. I would rather have us all standing around in the kitchen, eating off paper plates, all eating different things, but talking to each other than everyone sitting on the sofa, looking at their devices, eating a really healthy organic meal. But that comes from like my, like my Enneagram tunis and like my, you know, what's important to me and my value. So like it could be, and for someone else, like the healthy organic meal might be the important part and they don't really care how it gets in their kids. So I just think right. it's interesting. Like our ideals almost stem from like the opposite of ideal. How about yeah, you? Yeah. And it's like, it's like, what are you trying to solve against? Or what are you trying to, I guess, avoid is, is the correct right. word. You know, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about what are the little things that make me feel really grumpy about feeding my family? And then and then the like the really off the rails would be if all those things converged. So for me, it would be a scene where my kids want to eat prepackaged kind of garbagey convenience kid food, but they don't want the same thing. And so they <laughs> each want. And so I'm picturing like a scene where I'm still short order cooking, which I don't enjoy. The kids are eating not great nutritional stuff, which is not my favorite. And it's all at odds. So like someone needs chicken fingers in the microwave and someone wants ramen with the boiling water. Now, I don't have anything against a dinner of chicken fingers and fries or packaged convenience foods like in theory. But I think what would feel so yucky to me about that is, first of all, it would be a lack of planning on my part. Right. It would represent <laughs> like um, inefficient use of energy. And then just the mom, can I get this? I need to get in here like a chaos and, and a little because, irritants. Yes, yes. And like a, a scene of chaos. And I'd rather just order a pizza. And like you said, all sit around and eat it together. Um, there's something about each kid and I do have picky kids and we'll get into that. And I know that's a label, but something about not even wanting to eat the same garbage food <laughs> is like super grating for me. It's like, well, at least if we're going to have that kind of night, let's just all eat pizza or all eat chicken fingers. And so I think one of the things I'm always solving for is a meal that feels like we can enjoy relatively together. And that came from relative whole foods. And we'll get into like what that idea looks like, but I think that's the thing I'm like avoiding, if that makes sense. Yeah, I get it. Like it, it let's be intentional about our mm -hmm. like, you know, unintentional eating. And so, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Sarah, our sponsor Vionic is back today with their Vionic Vitals collection. These shoes are the most essential styles for everyday wear to get us ready for spring, which will be here before we know it. We've already talked about my Uptown Loafers and Willa Slip-On Flat and your Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, but this collection also includes the Walk 23 Classic Sneaker. That is that unapologetic dad sneaker style that's so popular right now. And I was just thinking having all four styles would basically be like having a spring capsule wardrobe for your feet. Oh my gosh, that is actually such a genius idea, Megan. I love where you're going with this. You know, high quality shoes are such a classy way to elevate your wardrobe. And the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection really can be worn in your everyday mom life, whether you're running errands or dressing up for an occasion. Yeah, and let's talk about the comfort factor, Sarah. Vionic actually got started by revolutionizing medical orthotics. Today, they continue to use that science to make cute and comfortable shoes that can keep up with our active lifestyles. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Vionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya, is back on the show today, and I just really love this company. Typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise. They're filled with two teaspoons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals, and other gummy junk most parents don't really want their growing kids eating. That's why Haya, the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin, was created. That's right, Megan. Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern kids' diets to provide the full-body nourishment they need. And Haya vitamins have a yummy taste kids love, too. So we were just talking to Katie on our team, Megan, and she was saying that when they get down toward the bottom of the Haya vitamin bottle, her boys are fighting over who gets the last one. 
Oh, I love it. And I also love that Katie can feel good about that, right? Haya is designed for kids of all ages and sent straight to your door. So parents never need to worry about running out. And we've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, Sarah, so let's start off by talking about the ideal rhythm of food. And this is, you know, more about family life than us personally. Although for myself, you know, being a divorced mom, I do eat fully half of my meals or more without my kids around. So mm-hmm. it factors in a li- my, you know, my personal factors in a bit, but I think we're going to focus mostly on family. Um, and so we're going to be talking about like the number of meals we eat out at versus home and the timing and all those things. So my first question is, If you could, you know, wave a magic wand in a a week and say, how many meals do you eat at home versus out with your family? What would that number be? I'll go first on this one, because actually in a typical week, I would eat out less than one time with my family. So it would be like one quarter of a time. I would actually love to take my kids out to dinner once a month to a place that we all enjoy going to Mm -hmm. planned ahead of time. Now we're talking ideal, right? Yeah. Sit and have a leisurely fun meal, not worry about the bill because, you know, eating out with kids can get ridiculously expensive. (laughs) Um, And I would say, I guess, like takeout pizza doesn't exactly count in there. But even then, no more than once a week. What I don't what I get really irritated and start to feel bad about is when there's a lot of oops, I got too busy and didn't get around to planning. So I'll run through the drive through for you, you know, oh, and because you want Taco Bell tonight. But like Clara's at her friend's house and like I got busy and forgot to meal plan or whatever. That kind of stuff bugs me. But like a really well planned out meal out to me is a lot of fun. It just Mm -hmm. for me, I would do that very rarely. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, I would say all of our dinners would be eaten at home with one takeout. I like the idea of in in terms of the family, Mm -hmm. um, an ideal week would be we're eating dinner every night at home. And one of those is takeout because that feels special. I like the idea of once a month is about the right rhythm for the whole family going out. I actually love to go out for lunch with our family because I, I don't love being out in the evening. But um, we had a really nice like brew pub lunch out on a patio recently, the five of us. And it was great. Brian and I had a beer and it felt like the family was out together, but it was during the day. So I would say that's like a once a month thing. Ideally, takeouts maybe a once a week thing. Um and otherwise we are eating at home. Ideally, I will say I would love to like ha- add a once a week lunch out myself just for me. I know we're focused most oh, yeah. on the family, but that would be fun. I'm not doing that currently. I've just been so behind with work, but the kids are back in school now. And um, I would I would add once a week lunch out maybe with Brian or a friend. That would be fun for me, but not with the whole family. Do you ever go out to eat all by yourself? Um, I will pick up food by myself. I don't mind eating in a restaurant alone. I don't, I wouldn't say I do it in my normal life, but I don't have any problem with it. That's something I've gotten a lot better at, um, as a divorced person, because if I didn't occasionally eat out, like there would have been times I just didn't eat. (laughs) Um, so I got really good at going and sitting in a restaurant that used to be feel very awkward for me. And especially when my, when I was used to having little kids, and then was kind of getting to the stage where I could go out to eat by myself. I was like, but that would be so weird. Like, I'm so used to having little people with me. And I would only go to places where, like, coffee shops where I could work and eat. Mm-hmm. But I've gotten pretty good at eating out. And I do, I really do enjoy, like, I don't know, sitting at a bar watching people. Mm-hmm. Um, travel, yeah. travel helps with that, too. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so, so let's talk about the timing of meals. This is another one of those things that I think... We're always kind of working toward our ideal, and we've talked a little bit about, you know, shifting around that timing of the evening meal, but let's talk about all the, the timing of all the meals, breakfast, lunch, dinner. For you, what would be the ideal in a, you know, an ideal week? Well, I'll start with dinner because it's most likely going to be all of us, and in my ideal world, I am prepping dinner and making dinner um, between 4 and 5.30, maybe not the whole hour and a half, but that's like the time. And we are eating before six o'clock and we have a lot of um, evening extracurriculars this fall. So it's either like 530 or eight. And and if it's eight, 
it's not, we're not going to be all together. It, it's just going right. to be fractured. And I know that's a season of life thing and it's not, it's definitely not a bad thing, but if we're talking ideal, we'd be sitting down as a family around five 30. Um, and which means that I'm making dinner earlier than that. Um, lunches, I would be eating myself alone, um, right. sitting outside on my patio around noon, probably. And the kids are at school for lunch. Um, so, and then breakfast is when everybody gets up. So, so I would say the ideal that I'm thinking of is mostly a dinner ideal. Yeah. I mean, it's the same for me. Like, like we've talked about recently on the show, I don't, we don't have really during the school year, much control over when breakfast or lunch are eaten or whether they're even eaten in our presence sometimes. Um, uh, breakfast as I, we also just recently talked about is not a hugely important thing in my house on school nights. I would say I would like to have a big family breakfast once a week, like on a Saturday you know, mm-hmm. around 10, say that would be great. And, um, lunch, you know, that just happens. And for me, like a uh, lunch usually happens around one. If it's like a good day where I'm like keeping up with things and I didn't forget and, you know, make it until four. And then I'm like, shoot, I didn't eat lunch. That does happen to me sometimes. Dinner though, Sarah, you and I recently talked about me trying to move my dinner up, like yeah. make it earlier in the day. And I've been working on that. And, um, actually I've been really on the ball with meal planning and cooking the last two weeks. And I think that earlier, I think that earlier time is really helping. It's like, I don't have time because it, it perfectly coincides with when I'm naturally shifting into mom time. Yeah. But if I I shift into mom time and I wait too long, then other things get in the way. And I like, then dinner feels like an interruption. Yeah. Yeah. So that's working really great. So I'm sort of the same, like I'm starting to kind of pull things together around four, four thirty, and then we're getting dinner on the table by five thirty or six, and then the dishes are done, and I can go get in bed early, which I've been trying to do too. So mm-hmm. it's been working pretty great. So I guess then a follow up question would be like, has this changed? And I don't mean the reality; I mean the ideal. Um, or would this change, or you know, will it change in the future with your kids' ages and activities and you know work realities and I'll go first on this one because I guess I would say yes and yes, but like there may have been a time of my life, maybe when none of my kids were in school and I was more of a night owl that like ideal dinner time might have been, you know, nine o'clock at night. And maybe when I had toddlers, like the number of times I wanted to eat in a restaurant was literally zero in a year, (laughs) you know, even Mm -hmm. though I've always tried to be someone who could take my kids out to eat. I definitely remember a time I looked at John across the restaurant table with Isaac, like crawling across the table and him trying to keep Jacob in his seat. And I think I had a baby that I was like, you know, bouncing on my lap. And I just said, this isn't fun anymore. No. You know, yeah. like, I think we've all had just, that moment. This, yeah. This ceased to be fun. Let's not do this anymore. It was like, we tried yeah. so hard, but it just didn't, it just didn't stand the test of time. So, um, I think it changes a lot. And I, I'm curious to know, like when my kids are all older, and maybe just coming home like on, from college on the weekends or something, like what will I want my like what, when will I want to sit down and eat dinner? I don't know. It's so weird to think about. It's funny. We were at my, Violet and I went over to my parents' house last night just for a few minutes. Um, cause they live five minutes away and they were fixing and eating their dinner. We had already had ours cause we ate early. And I was like thinking, and I even said, I'm like, you guys just get tired of like making real food every night. It's just you. Like, I think I would eat cereal. And they laughed cause my dad really loves a, like a real dinner, like a protein and, and a veg. And my mom's more like me, like she would probably eat cereal, but they do. And they, they, you know, they eat at six thirty, seven 7 o'clock and it's just the two of them. So it is interesting to think about what is that future ideal. I will say going backwards, you know, for a long time I had little kids at home and naps were a big part of our schedule and lunch was always before naps. And I did kind of have an ideal rhythm to this kind of 11 or 11.30 lunch, which sounds early to a lot of people, but I had early risers. Sometimes a baby took a morning nap. And then between 11 and 12, we were doing lunch because I was really ready for somebody or everybody to be going down for a nap like 12.30, 1 o'clock. So um, I do remember that that kind of ideal and actually liking that phase of being able to pin some predictability to that rhythm of my day. And obviously now there's no, like when we say what's ideal lunch, like, I don't care. You, you are right. somewhere you else. Yes. Yeah. Go. Yeah. Go. yeah. Well, it's funny. Cause I remember that too. Like, like wanting a time that I could put the baby in the high chair and give them their, you know, Cheerios and fruit or whatever. And like, then another time that I would, and those, because I wasn't expecting to sit down and eat, 
myself really during their breakfasts and their lunches. I was so much more relaxed about the fact that I had to be so hands-on about mm-hmm. basically parenting them through breakfast and lunch. Dinner was the meal that never felt restful or fun for me because no. I felt like I should be sitting and eating too. And it was just a very different, it was just a totally different way to approach it. Like John would be home. I wanted yeah. everyone to sit down together and like my expectations were a little out of whack. The timing probably wasn't quite right. You know, now that I think back, like I bet I was probably trying to sometimes force like a round peg into a you know, square peg yeah. into a round hole um, with the dinner time. So it's just, it is interesting to look back at how different those meals felt and like how the timing factored in back yeah. in those days. Um, okay. Well, let's shift a little bit and talk about the ideal content of your food. So um, Sarah, you can go first on this one. I'm wondering if you have standards for the ideal meal as far as like nutritionally what's in it. And then is it different from breakfast to lunch to snack to dinner? So, you know, we talked, we've talked a lot about the fact that like not all the nutrition has to happen at dinner. Right. But I do think sometimes we have a different mental attitude about the components of a breakfast, mm-hmm. an ideal breakfast or snack or, or lunch versus dinner. So I'm wondering if you are likely to do things like relax your ingredient standards on a snack or dessert, or maybe worry less about really balancing that plate with veggies in lunch versus dinner. Um, you, get, you know what I'm getting at, right? I do. And I feel like I have embarrassingly low standards because my children are very selective so I'm trying to I'm trying to remind myself this is ideal. This is not what is real. Um, I think starting with dinner, my ideal is that the components of the meal make sense together and that the children and the adults at the table are able to help themselves to what looks good. Like my ideal is that ideal we've talked about so many times on this show, which is the adults decide what to cook. And ideally, I'm cooking something that sounds really good to me. That's something that's shifted mm. over the years. I really try to cook what I want to eat, what Brian and I want to eat. And then next in my mind, then I supplement that with sides or modifications that I know some kids will eat. But in my ideal dinner, there is a a cohesive meal that makes sense on the table that is easily modified for the pickiest of eaters. And we do have some meals in rotation that work really well that way, Um, like burrito bowls or taco salad. Like we have some um, and, and it's gotten better. And then the second half of the show, I know we'll talk about like what, what things work together to make the ideal possible. So we've come a long way, but I think it's not so much that everyone has to eat a vegetable or there has to be a vegetable on every plate. It's that the meal was thoughtfully conceived and it's executed in a way that makes sense. And no one is like having an emergency peanut butter sandwich. I think that's still just kind of where, where we are. Um, and then lunches and breakfasts, I have very low attachment to the overall balance of those meals. I, I, I don't want to say I don't care because of course I care that my kids nutritional needs are met. Um, but I feel like my ideal is just that we're, my ideal for breakfast and lunch is more that we're purchasing food we feel good about, which means we're purchasing fresh fruit and we're eating it. Um, and that I'm continuing to put those various food groups in front of them, but I don't, I don't feel a strong ideal about um, what those should look like. Okay. Next makes sense. And I, I am that way about um, snacks and desserts. Like we don't, we're not big dessert people. So like if we're going to eat dessert, I really truly don't care what it is. It can be totally decadent. It can, you know, like I'll let the kids like totally binge on dessert because we just, it's not, it's not like every night after we push back our chairs from the table and pat our faces with our napkins, I pull out like a, you know, a delicate fruit sorbet (laughs) because we don't do it every night. When we do, we're like standing around snarfing down a whole pile of cookies all at once. So, um, so yeah. And I would say with snacks, when the kids were little, I was a little more concerned about having them be balanced because sometimes snacking felt like all they ever did. Yeah. So I felt like if they were going to have a carb, I should at least balance it with a protein. Like I, Mm -hmm. I felt like I needed to put the cheese with the cracker or the peanut butter with the bread, like something. Yeah. So it wasn't just them eating just like simple carbs all day long. Um, but nowadays I really don't pay as close of attention. It, it becomes very difficult to do as they get older and just are really more autonomously snacking. So, um, I do have a weird, like, I don't want to say hang up. That's not the right word, but I do have this weird, like, um, adherence to the cultural idea that dinner is savory and contains veg. Whereas lunch can be salad or fruit, (laughs) 
or right. like cucumbers dipped in ranch or something yeah. on the side of a sandwich or whatever it is. And then breakfast is more likely to have fruit. Like uh-huh. it's almost like I see the day going sweet to dry or sweet uh-huh. to salty or whatever, but that it's not really an ideal. I think it's just it's kind of what we're ingrained, like it's ingrained hard-wired. into us yeah. and it's hardwired. And so it's hard for me to think about really flipping the script on that, even though I often eat dinner food early, like early enough in the day for it to be considered breakfast. And, and yeah, I often too. put sweet things in my savory dishes. It's just like, it takes a little extra. I think it's like an easy shorthand because if I was trying to put together a week's worth of meals and I wanted to make sure there was fruit and veg and, you know, a couple different kinds of lean protein or whatever, right. It's easier for me to slot those in to open spaces where it makes sense than to try to like balance it across all 21 meals. Yeah. So I think it's like an easy, like, just, I don't know. It's like, it gives it some structure. Yeah, absolutely. Curious um, for you, and I guess I can go first on this one, whether restaurant meals are different, like if you have different standards when you eat out, whether you have any standards when you eat out, whether you, you know, restrict what the kids can get to drink, things like that. Um, And also when you're totally on your own, like if you are eating alone, whether it's at home or, um, you know, at a restaurant, whether you have any standards, I would say for me, restaurant meals, I almost have no limits on with the kids. It's very difficult to do. And I'm also never really sure that it makes much difference when you're at a restaurant anyway. <laughs> like at the time, I'm like, even yeah. their healthiest stuff probably isn't as healthy as homemade. Yeah. And that's part of why for me, an ideal, an ideal eating out would be once a month or something. Yes. Um, and then for meals for myself, um, restaurant or at home, I think that I actually hold myself to a slightly different standard of health than my kids. Um, at some times, like, I don't really exactly know how to say that. Like, I think I'm more picky about making sure that like, I'm not eating things like French fries and stuff like that very often. But then I don't know, I guess I'm picky about my kids in other ways. So it's hard to answer that one. How about you? Yeah. Um, I, I guess I'm coming back to the frame of ideal An ideal restaurant meal out for us would be my kids sticking to the kids menu nutritionally, I don't care because we don't eat out very often. Um, but financially I do care. And I have a 13 year old now who has not looked like a child in a while. Um, and I'm not, I'm not looking to gouge the restaurant and not pay like full prices, but I just, it drives me crazy to see like the cost of a cheeseburger on the adult side versus the kid. So if I'm thinking ideal in an ideal world, if we went out to a restaurant, the kids would each find something that they like on the kid's menu that was reasonably priced. And then it would arrive and they would like it because there's nothing worse than paying yeah. for a mac and cheese that comes with like breadcrumbs on the top that your eight-year-old decides they don't want to eat. And now it's like a $9 mac and cheese. So I think it's really funny that this is about our ideal. And we keep talking about like the things that drive us crazy, but it's okay. (laughs) That's like, that's the reframe. Well, getting away from the ideal is like, because you're trying to get away or getting to the ideal is getting away from the things that drive you crazy, crazy. Right. And so to answer your question, the ideal content, and I think I'm sensing a theme with myself, what makes it ideal is that um, we truly eat it and enjoy it because otherwise mm-hmm. it feels like a waste of time and money and food, you know? So I think that is where I come. I don't require that they eat the melon that comes on the side of the mac and cheese. Like right. I'm not super um, concerned about the nutritional balance of a restaurant meal for myself. I love eating out and I, I usually follow my hunger patterns. And so sometimes that might be a really good salad. We've talked about how we both love when someone else has made a really, really good salad with lots of components and lots of protein and salty and sweet. But I also love French fries. And I really missed French fries during the pandemic when like to go or take out or delivery DoorDash French fries were just not cutting it. So I am probably pretty likely to eat French fries if I'm going out to a restaurant. Well, so thanks for like bringing me a little bit back to the ideal framework, because I I agree. It's like it's easy to start letting that go when you realize how how far away most (laughs) things are from ideal. But when you were talking about that, like eating it and feeling good about it, the other thing I would say is I would love if my kids all independently, so we're talking ideals, we're at a restaurant, I would love that they all independently chose a meal that was inventive or cool or like, Mm. I don't know, like, or very, very healthy and it just sounded good to them. And then like just on their own. And and that doesn't mean I hate it when they order chicken strips. I really don't care. Like I'm not really hung up about it. 
but I would be really like pleased. And sometimes that does happen. Like sometimes mm-hmm. one of them will kind of go a little bit out of the norm and, and order something that's a little risky um, or order something that's like surprisingly healthy. And that makes me very happy. So I guess that would be my ideal restaurant meal. I have a little ideal to add before we go to break. And that is the after school snack, because in my house, this is almost like a meal right this year. So far, my kids are their school days a little bit longer. We had a shorter day in last year because of the pandemic. We're getting home later and they are very hungry. And um, this is an area where I do have kind of a North Star ideal. And sometimes we come close and it's that they come home hungry and I am able to be present and on enough and their appetite matches up with something that mixes like you were talking about when you were talking about snacking um like protein a carb and a fruit and veg and often it does and I actually don't care at all that we might be eating dinner in an hour and a half and they might not be as hungry because it's very satisfying to me for some reason for a kid who's been gone for 6 hours or 7 hours to come home and ask for whole wheat toast toasted with peanut butter and sliced bananas, which is in my mind, one of the perfect like vehicles for all of those things into a child. And all of my kids will eat that sometimes for breakfast or sometimes after school. And so that's another ideal, or it might be, they come home and we make like a quesadilla with Turkey and it's, it feels like a very mothering time of day. And ideally it's a time when I don't mind being the short order cook. Cause I'm sort of mentally prepared. That's my role at that time. And I'm able to get a lot of variety into them. So that's another ideal. And and often we hit that. And sometimes they come home and want like pop, microwave popcorn. And that's okay, too. I love it. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, Sarah, so let's talk about what do we do to get to that ideal? And again, this isn't like prescriptive, like we think we can do this all the time, or even that that's the goal, but let's just kind of go through the four, you know, through four different categories of things that are often sort of happening around us when we are nailing it with our food routines. Um, I think that some of these things are things that we do intentionally, like that we go out of our way to um, do like meal planning and things like that. And then some of them are things that happen to us, like, um, you know, the time of year or like what's going on in our kids' lives or our work lives. So let's start with planning. Um, I want you to go first on this one. What, when you do have that magical week that's ideal or close to it, what is happening with your planning? Yeah, Um, we have made huge strides. If you're a longtime listener, I feel like meal planning is something that Sarah learned to do like after 40 um, because it's been a pain point for me forever. And we've we've hugely transformed our family in the last year in this area. So I'm excited to talk about it. So when we're nailing it during the week, the planning looks like Brian and I having a quick meeting on Sunday looking at our what's coming in our farm box, which we get an email about that, what's going to be coming in our farm box for produce, which then informs the grocery shopping list, which I will do probably on Sunday, sometimes on Monday, and um, what proteins we have in the freezer. And all of that is like one short meeting, maybe 15 minutes. Um, We look at the activities of the kids and um, you know, the times that we're going to need to eat. And sometimes Brian's able to come home at like four or four 30. So we might do something that requires more of him. Whereas if he's not going to be home and we're still trying to eat at five 30, it's going to be all on me. And we just, um, very loosely plan out several meals. I will say that the ideal plan does not include a separate, like brand new meal that is, we're starting from scratch five nights. It probably is like three with a built-in leftover or a built-in like clean out the fridge night and scattered through. Brian is much more tempted to like just 
do five in a row of like some things that, you know, we've got burgers, we've got this, we've got, and I'm always like, nope, we're going to plan in a leftovers and, you know, put those in where they fit. So the planning looks like the two of us. And then we do our family meetings as the five of us. And we will um, take requests from the kids if we haven't totally solidified the plan yet, or we'll just tell them what's coming up and they can always make suggestions for a future meal plan. And what's been great is like when they're not happy we have that built-in family meeting on Sundays where it's like, well, great. That's like the kind of thing that we are always looking for suggestions. So suggest and then goes on the meal plan and it goes on the whiteboard and it's just, it's clicked into place. Like it took, you know, 15 years for me to learn how to do this properly. So that's, that's what it looks like. I will say if we miss that meeting and we don't talk about it, um, it's very hard to get back on track. And, and it's like almost an all or nothing thing. So it's, it's become pretty essential. I love hearing about that because I think that that it's like the it's like you haven't quite even gotten in the planning. It's like the pre-planning. Right. So like the meeting informs what the plan will become. And um, it's like those steps along the way. So for me, the planning usually looks like I I will sometimes ask the kids. I do the shopping before the planning. Like they kind of go in conjunction and we'll talk about shopping in a minute. Um. But I will ask the kids at that time if they have requests or, you know, if if there's anything they really want. Most of the time, at least one of them will have something kind of vague. It might be like pasta or like, you know, duh, okay, (laughs) you know, something like that. But then that informs the shopping. But then the next step is getting it on the, um, like the, it's not a whiteboard. It's the black version of a whiteboard. Mm -hmm. You don't have a chalkboard. Well, but it's, but it's like a marker, not a chalk. You know what I mean? It's like a dry erase. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like a dry erase board, but they've got those chalk markers. Um, once it's on the fridge, then I might move something around. Like I might move Monday to Tuesday or Tuesday to Monday. If like, say something like I forget to thaw something or like, you know, we get a later start than we wanted and one meal takes longer than the other. But for the most part, having it there on the fridge is my accountability. And it does like the kids don't forget. I used to think they weren't paying attention and now they will literally be like, God, I thought you said we were having this today. Right. And I thought, Oh, you do look wow. Ah. Okay. So it's like that visual reminder. Every time I pass the fridge there, it is telling me, which is lots yes. of times during the day. It's telling me, Hey, remember this is for dinner. And then the kids do the same thing. And that really helps me stay on track. And I do my planning only one week at a time. If I tried to get too much more ahead of it, oh, I think yeah. I would, I would, well, I know there are people who do like once a month shopping and stuff. And yeah, um, sometimes they cook in bulk, like, you know, two weeks ahead. That's just never really worked for me. It's like, it, it gets me, it gets my eye too far off the ball. And I can't really think that far out when it comes to like what I'm going to want to eat. I just barely like that, learned so. how to plan for like four days in advance. I'm like totally in awe. You know what else um, is ideal for me in our planning is if the plan, if the labels on those meals are loose enough to allow me to be flexible without the kids feeling like it was a big switcheroo. So what I mean by that is like we often will just say it's Mexican food night and that's it. And that gives us flexibility to execute in in various ways tonight, like right after we record. um, We're having grain bowls, which for Brian and I will be like a savory grain. And I was thinking, I was like, the kids are not going to want like barley and roasted vegetables with a poached egg on top, which is what Brian and I love. So I just wrote grain bowls, sweet or savory. And now it means that the kids can have oatmeal if they don't want what we're having. So a lot of um, uh, my meal plans are not very recipe based. They're very, mm-hmm. they allow for a lot of modifications. Yeah, mine too. It's it's typically like one or two words, uh, depending on your child. And and this is just a a, a tip, a hot pro parenting tip, depending on your kid and how well they do with <clears throat> time to plan versus, or, you know, prepare versus time to angst. Mm, yeah. Like that, where that ratio is, I would recommend not putting a vegetable on <laughs> <laughs> like visibly on the meal plan, unless it's a beloved vegetable that all the kids will get excited about. Or if you need a kid who just needs time to prepare, but like there's been times when I'll have an amazing meal plan all planned out. And then all the kid can see is that on Wednesday I'm planning, you know, Brussels sprouts Yeah, yeah. and they can't let go. Like that's the only thing that their eyes can even see. So I just find it helpful to put veg instead. (laughs) I think that's a, that's totally good to mention. And a lot of times when you see meal plans like online, they're very specific down to the recipe. And I think that that's helpful for a lot of people because a lot of people are using Pinterest or cookbooks 
Um, so I just think it's worth mentioning that my ideal meal plan is very, it's like the outline that just yeah. keeps me on task enough. Like you were saying, you walk by and you see it. And now I know like I do need to chop up. I don't want to this afternoon, but I need to wash and chop up a bunch of vegetables, sweet potatoes, butternut squash, broccoli. And I know I'm going to be so glad I did because I will love the result, but I got to do it because that's what's on the board. Right. Sometimes it just reminds you dinner is coming. Yeah. Like today again. Yes. Today again. Again. Well, let's talk about, you know, shopping because you can't get groceries in your house to cook if you don't buy them. Um, I'm curious if we have like an idea, like a day that we find lends itself to an ideal meal plan, uh, an ideal meal week of meals. And I'll go first on this one. Um, I don't know that there's anything magical about Mondays, but for me, what I have found is that Monday is the day I have sort of set aside as my de facto, like home family catching up kind of a day. It's like the first day the kids are all back in school. I have the, you know, I'm fortunate enough to have the flexibility where I can kind of work in fits and starts on Mondays. And I just, I don't plan meetings if I don't have to. Um, and Monday is that day. Now, what that does for me, if it's always Monday, that allows me to to kind of ration out the food. So I'm running out Sunday, not Friday, because mm -hmm. I, I know that I don't like grocery shopping on the weekend. So I try to avoid that. So if I know that I'm going to shop on Monday and I get in that routine and I can always ration the food correctly, I shouldn't run out of any crucial thing unless it's like milk that I can pick up or whatever. But you know what I mean? Like there's enough mm -hmm. meals, there's enough snacks, there's enough stuff for breakfast. Like I can get us through. I find that if I don't have a day, like if I have a day where there's also a lot of work things happening, grocery shopping will get short shrift or will get, or will get pushed off and we'll end up eating at least one more eating out meal or, you know, take out than mm -hmm. I'd want to. And, um, I also find that if it's like midweek, I don't know, I've experimented a lot and Monday just really works for me. So, you know, again, there's nothing magical about Monday. It's just that for me, that's the day I can predictably plan to have success. It's like, I'm setting myself up for success yeah. by shopping on Mondays. Whereas like pushing it off to another day is like setting myself up for a, a little bit of stress. How about yeah. you? Um, it's changed many times over the years. Right now, the ideal timing is early Sunday morning and it all converges with that planning that we talked about. Um, so ideally, we, Brian and I have had at least a high level conversation about the week ahead, even if it's just to assign the proteins. Like our proteins are usually um, already in the freezer. And so the the way that our inventory works is we have a farm box coming and we know what's coming. That's a lot of vegetables. And you know what's in it by that point, right? Yep. We know what's in it. We have proteins already in the freezer and we have a lot of dry goods on hand. So by the time I go to Trader Joe's first thing Sunday morning, I would know my meal plan. And then I'm I'm shopping for our regular stuff, a lot of the breakfast and lunch type stuff. And then I'm also getting things like hamburger buns if we're going to have burgers. And I know that like the hamburger buns at Trader Joe's, they get moldy within a few days because they don't use a lot of preservatives. And that annoys me that they get moldy. So we're going to need to do burgers like Monday or Tuesday because I don't want to buy mm -hmm. them and then have. the. So there's all that mental math that goes in. But the shopping works really, really well if the planning has been done in sync over the weekend. And then first thing Sunday morning is great. Um, I will also do a weekday if while the kids are in school, if I need to, but we're, we're not talking about that. We're talking about ideal. So my ideal right now would be right when they open at eight o'clock on Sunday morning and Violet often comes with me and she's done that for a long time. And that's kind of our special time. Um, and we come home and the kids are up and can help unload. And so that's kind of the ideal. We just start, we start the week, um, with food in the cupboards and in the fridge and a meal plan ready to go. Another thing that popped into my head when you were talking about, um, you know, the consistency from week to week and why that helps it work. And the fact that Violet goes with you because in a divorced family, my, my schedule changes every week. I'm just realizing mm -hmm. Monday is, and I usually do my shopping by myself. It's pretty rare. I take the kids with me anymore, but Monday is the one day I can be pretty much guaranteed to not have kids with me because they're with, they're like either just coming back from dad's order in school. It's like the day that I know those things are all going to come together on Monday more than they might all come together on another day of the mm -hmm. week. It's a very mm -hmm. predictable day. And I think that that predictability is a big part of why whatever day of the week might work for you versus Monday or Sunday, right. like they work for us. Right. Well, let's talk about the things we can't control so much, but that happened to us anyway. Um, mm -hmm. and let's start, let's start with, um, mood and season. Um, mood being like, I guess the mood we're in, or maybe even the mood 
that's like around us, you know, mm-hmm. and then season. Is it fall, winter, spring, summer? Is it near a holiday? Um, you go first on this one, but how do those things affect your ideal, like not your ideal, but your ability to pull off the ideal. ability to get to approximate, right. to come close <laughs> to, the <laughs> to ideal. approximate the ideal. Um, I would say I, the, I, we come closest to the ideal when I have had time away from my children in predictable chunks that could look like a school year with children in school. It could look like um, camp or a daycare. But if I have been around them 24 seven due to pandemic or summer or that season of life, it's very hard for me to collect my thoughts to do what we've been talking about, the planning, the shopping. And so we just stray farther and farther from that ideal. So um, a predictable routine, I guess, is a contributor to being able to execute on that ideal. Um, I think being well rested and feeling good in my own physical and mental health is always just going to sustain the energy required. I mean, too bad, but dinner happens at the end of the day. And Sarah is not always great at the end of the day. So um, having being generally happy and well rested is going to help me approximate that ideal more, more, more likely. Seasonally, I think um, I, I can't remember when we talked about this recently on the podcast, but I'm very invigorated, but maybe in the senses, when we talked about our senses on more than mom, I'm often invigorated by a new season. It doesn't really matter what season it is, but I get a burst of energy at the beginning of a a reset. And, you know, we're recording this in September. Everybody's got the fall feels, but it might be the start of the holiday season when, you know, the magazines come out and the recipes look very festive. And so I think I can get a burst of meal energy at the beginning of a season and I'm more likely to lag as a season wears on. So it's not really what time of year, what the weather is. It's more like how, how much headspace do I have? Because all of this takes time and headspace to execute. How about you? Yeah. Well, and I would say very similar, like I thrive on times of high energy, which sometimes is when there are like kind of chaotic or or even crisis inducing things happening a little outside of my control, they can often like spark me to go into this like head down, get it done mode, which actually strangely then sometimes leads me to having the energy to be really good at meal planning. I don't know. It's Mm -hmm. like weird, but it's like the energy begets energy thing. And sometimes the more focused I have to be, because I have a lot on my plate or like there's just a lot going on, the more focused I am and, and the focus and the energy mood, um, not only gets me to where I can do that planning, but where but that chaotic feeling gets me to where I crave it. Like I really want the order and the structure of, and like the togetherness of sitting down at a meet. Like I want to make order out of chaos. So I lean into the chaos to make the order. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that actually is kind of effective for me. Um, I would say kind of like you, the beginning of any new season, especially if it's a nurturing season, like a cozy season, like mm-hmm. fall, the beginning of winter, or sometimes when there's like um, tons of snow on the ground here, like when we're having really like really, uh, really, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. Intense winter mm-hmm. weather that will make me feel very homey and cozy. Um, but depending on the season, sometimes I burn out real fast. Like I get all excited about grilling out at the beginning mm-hmm. of the summer. Mm-hmm. And I burn out on that really fast. Cause to me, grilling's not that exciting. And I, I don't get like, it's not something I, I don't have like a huge, um, investment in it. It's not like, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to figure out the perfect way to grill up these chicken breasts. And right. it's just like, it's so utilitarian to me. And the fun then is like having people over to eat your grilled food. So then I kind of shift away from the food itself. So, so different seasons and, and things like that definitely, um, have a stronger impact on getting me toward the ideal. Yeah. But you know, that actually raises another question, which is like, is my ideal in July, even the same as my ideal in November? And maybe not mm-hmm. like maybe in And maybe in July, if I really broke it down, my ideal would be like sitting around in the backyard eating whenever we feel like and having friends and family over. So maybe it's even like the ideal itself changes throughout the year. Yeah. And and really good to reflect on that because as we know, as soon as you decide something is no longer an obligation, you can just release yourself from it. So if you decide that Mm -hmm. in July, we don't gather around the table, we eat outside in lawn chairs whenever we want, then it's like, all the mom guilt goes away because you've just moved the, you've moved the finish line or whatever the, the yeah. thing is. Um, I yeah. like that. I have to tell you a funny story about the, when describing the fall, the ideal fall and just how, um, how motivated we can get at the beginning. So we have a really pretty busy extracurricular schedule right now. And 
just last weekend. It was pretty ideal. Like I shot, I did all the things I just said. We, we planned, I shopped, I knew what was coming in the farm box. Like I had a plan and Monday was crock pot, um, shredded chicken. And I had all the things. Sometimes I think I'm going to do that. And I really like a jar of salsa verde in there. And like, then I won't have it and it bumps me out. So it was, it really was pretty ideal. My house was fairly clean and I, I love Mondays, like a good Monday. And I had somebody came over to, what was he doing? Delivering something? No, it was like a, like a pest control guy. I already forget who came in the house, but this guy comes to the door and I let him in and he's like, your house smells so good. It smells like dinner. And you know, when you're in the house for when you're the crock pot's going, you like stop smelling right. it after a while. You don't, and then yeah, when, you have smell and blindness. I hadn't left the house in like six hours. And I just was like, so gratified that he noticed. And I was like, well, thank you. It does. Like I worked does. really hard to have my house smell good by two o'clock on a Monday afternoon. So I do, you do have those moments where it all clicks in place. And that little moment was the result of all of the things we've been talking about, the planning, the shopping, the morning yeah. prep in this case. And it was great. And I still it's Thursday and I still have some shredded chicken that I can be eating. So it doesn't always line up like that. But when it does and then I think it's just funny, I got like the words of affirmation from a stranger where I was like, gosh, right. darn it, it does smell good in here. And you're like, my, my kids don't necessarily always right. like appreciate it. But thank you, Mr. Pest Control yeah. Man. Yeah. Well, and I think that also the the other lovely thing about the beginning of a new season is that if you do get season fatigue or, you know, whatever it looks like for you, sometimes my biggest, like my most ideal ideals happen in the bounce back from like a rock bottom. Yes, <laughs> so, totally. Like, that's why I love this cycle. That's why I love like really falling off the rails because there's nothing like coming back. Like when you just know it's just you're frustrated with yourself. You know, you're frustrated with everything. It's like, you're just over it. You're more over the, the lackness and like the laps that you got into because you were over the structure. Now you're so over the laps that you want the structure back and you're willing to work really hard for it. Yes. And it puts that energy behind it, which I think is fun. And, yeah. and we all are riding, we're all riding that wave at some point. So yep. I, I think it would be, you know, very misleading for, um, you know, just it would be a pity if anybody thought that like there were families out there who are really just plugging along at the same pace right. all year long. I don't think that's really how it works for almost anybody. Right. And P.S. Nobody talks about their meal plan on social media when it's going terribly. Everybody right. posts pictures <laughs> of either their dinner or their their mise en place before they start cooking dinner or their right. meal plan itself. You only do that when it's going well, which is why we have our whole week of real life dinners that we'll talk about in a minute. But like just a reminder if you're seeing it on social media, it's because they're having a good day. That doesn't right. mean that that happens every day. Right. Absolutely. Well, we're, we're wrapping up by talking about the things that happen to us rather than the things that we happen to. And so besides mood and season, which we can't, we don't have a ton of control over. Well, we have no, literally no control over the season, but we don't have a ton of control over the external things that create our moods. But what about like the other routines that affect things? And I'm thinking of like, um, kids schedules, work schedules, um, you know, just those things that are like a part of life that we don't necessarily have the ability to change. And I'll just go first and just briefly say that like this changes a lot as kids get older. And not only that, but my, the way that I cope with it and plan around it has changed a lot. I think that when my kids were little, I worked really hard to work around all extracurriculars. So we were still mostly all gathered together. And, um, and I think that that made sense then as they've gotten older and busier, I have started to look at it a little bit differently. I read an interesting article the other day, which, um, I found very helpful as someone who has some codependent tendency tendencies and Enneagram too. That's pretty common. Mm -hmm. Um, that there's a difference between a boundary and a rule and a rule is something that you set and expect other people to adhere to it. So say the rule is dinners at 6.30 because I as mom have gone way out of my way to make a time that everybody can make it to and that's 6.30. So the rule is you're sitting here eating at 6.30. So that's a rule. The boundary would be, I want to eat at 6.30. That's the ideal time for me to eat. And like, that's when dinner will be on the table. <laughs> and like, right. it's not that different, but if there might be a teenager in your house at some point, for whom 6.30 dinner isn't that important because they have other things that are becoming more important than the family meal. So it's not that the family meal isn't still important or that you shouldn't still work to get the kid there. But if you feel like moving the time around all the time is throwing you off your game to the extent that now you can't 
get the rest of the family fed or you're right. grumpy all the time or whatever it is. I guess I'm just saying that I've gotten more okay with me just deciding when I want to put dinner on the table and that's what it is and not fretting too much over whether everybody else can or wants to be there at that time. And, yeah. and I don't think I would have, I don't think I needed to be there when my kids were little or it made a lot of sense the way I did it then. It's just changed yeah. a lot. Yeah. 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 Um, I think for us, things that could thwart the ideal would be, um, any, we have a pretty set routine now with the extracurriculars. And I mentioned that they are later in the evening. We have quite a few like six o'clock or six thirty extracurriculars. And so we kind of have to eat early. And so things that could throw us off would just be any, any unexpected thing in the afternoon, Brian working late or, you know, not having the meat thought or whatever. So there's actually quite a bit that could make our meal plan or our meals unideal for the week. And I guess like that would just require reframing. Like you talked about reframing ideal in the summer versus winter that maybe ideal in this busy season of life isn't that we eat at 530 every night. It's that we shoot for it a couple of days a week. So I don't know. Um, I do think that I am just entering the phase of life of which you speak where mm. um, that North star of everybody sitting together will just naturally start to um, will redefine what that looks like in the next few years. So I'm already feeling that. Yeah. And for parents that are coming into that phase, you know, there's some, there can be some really sweet things about that too. Like we're, you know, William is so busy. He keeps himself just going, 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 but he's often missing dinner, but then we're sitting around the kitchen and he's standing at the Island eating leftovers, you know, an hour and a half after everyone else ate, I'm like in my pajamas, the dishes are mostly done. We're just waiting for his plate to go in so we can start the dishwasher. And we're all sitting around talking and it's still really fun. Like we're still getting family time. It's not like that didn't go away. Yeah. The ideal just had to shift. Like maybe an ideal week will never again look like all of my family sitting down all at the same time to eat dinner every night. And right. But there's like a different ideal, like a different North star. So I like how you phrase that. Um, yeah. And it does shift. And like, and then again, like at some point I'll be like your mom and dad eating yeah. my, you know, eating my meal with just me yeah. and my, and my Bella, um, PBS if I have news one and on the, on <laughs> watching the PBS news and like, that'll be my <laughs> ideal then. So lots to look forward to no matter where, what stage you're in. Well, I think it's important to point out that like we talked about the ideal through most of this episode at the beginning, we talked about the opposite of the right. ideal, right? But there is a middle ground. There is. And that is the birth of our week of real life dinners series. And if you're not familiar, we actually we've done this four or five times probably, and we're going to do it again coming up in October. Um, But Megan and I, and sometimes we invite others in on the fun. We write down what actually happened every night for seven days. And then we talk about it on the podcast. And we usually, the week is usually a, a week or two before you'll hear it on the podcast, but we pick the same week and then we come on the mic and we own up to it all. We say like we were going to have shredded chicken in the crock pot, but we didn't have the green salsa and whatever. And we tell we tell the real story of how that played out. And it's become a really you know fun way to talk through the, the reality of family life and how, you know, you you just try again. Like you you define that yep. ideal. You expect real life to happen and then you're willing to show up and try again. And I think as long as we're not being hard on ourselves when the ideal isn't met, or maybe hard on those around us, um, that expecting and accepting that, um, just by trying, we're getting partway there, I think. Yeah. I, I love that. And I also love that we've been doing this for so long on a regular, on regular intervals, because if you went back and listened to all of them in a row, I mean, I'm just guessing, I can't even remember the contents of my last week's dinner, let alone, you know, all of the real life dinner episodes we've done. But I think that there'd be weeks where you look at one or the other of us and be like, wow, that was really impressive. Like they really pulled yeah. some great stuff off. And then you're like, why is there this week that like Megan only fed her kids like pizza and then leftover pizza. And Sarah <laughs> had her kids eat like black beans um, on various different tortilla items yeah. like every night of the week. So there's a mix of both. Like we are yes. equally impressive and super not impressive. Um, and I don't remember the ratio of what, you know, one <laughs> which to the other, yeah. but like, it's very, very real. And the other thing that happens when we talk about our real meals, and so by the way, you will get the next real uh, week of real life dinners episode in October, the second half of October. 
But what happens is we end up like actually getting some good cooking advice. I feel like every time we do it, I'm like, wait, Megan, no, actually tell me, how do you sear the pork shoulder before you put it in the Dutch oven? And so um, sometimes that's really interesting to peek behind the curtain of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We all hear like enchiladas or lasagna and, but everybody's got their own little tricks, um, little kitchen hacks and little recipes that they love. So it's also good for if you are feeling not so energized about your meal rotation, even though these are not aspirational meals, they're very real life meals. I feel like we still offer some little, little nuggets of inspiration through talking about it. Agreed. Agreed. Well, definitely look out for that in October. Um, and if you want to write your meals down the week of October 3rd through 10th, which is when we'll be tracking ours, do that too. Cause then you can follow along. Um, and we'll be back on Sunday with another more than mom episode. Talk to you then. Sarah, I have been having just the best time making my new podcast, The Teas Made. I launched back in November, and so far I've covered topics like staying warm on cold winter walks, nurturing creativity, how to be a great host, and even Nordic secrets to loving winter. Well, you know I am fan number one of The Teas Made. It's got such a cozy vibe, and it seems like you've really hit your stride in covering topics like wellness, self-care, comforting rituals and routines, and home and family life. Just look for The Teas Made with Megan Francis wherever you get your podcasts or head to theteasmade.com to find all the episodes. The Mom Hour is brought to you by partners like Chatbooks. Chatbooks makes it beyond easy to create beautiful photo books by importing your digital photos from anywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Google Photos, or directly from your phone. The books come in a variety of sizes with beautiful cover options and binding styles to choose from, and they start at just $15. Plus, we have a great deal just for our listeners. Use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20% off your purchase. Just download the Chatbooks app and use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20%.